This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. This morning, we are privileged to hear from one of our own, uh, Matt and Randy. You can learn more about them, including their last name and where they'll be serving by stopping by their table in the foyer. Many of our Kingdom Builders partners serve in nations where their assignments are somewhat sensitive, and so we want to be cognizant of that this morning. But I can affirm to you what they are going to do and where they're going to do it. There is a desperate need for people to hear about Jesus and have their lives changed by him. Matt and Randy are members of Christian Chapel. Matt will tell you part of his story this morning of his long-term connection to this church and how God uh, drew him out of just a very normal corporate life, a life of management in all sorts of different businesses over the years, uh, to the point where he and his family have sold everything and are just a couple weeks away from packing up and moving to the other side of the world to be part of what God has called them to do. Uh, This is not a short-term assignment for them. It is a complete and total lifestyle change. Today, as their home church, this is our opportunity to send them off with our support, with our blessing, and with our prayers. And so if you'd like to partner with Matt and Randy, you can do that in a couple ways. You can give at Christian Chapel on christianchapel.com slash give. You can give at any of the buckets on your way out this morning. Just designate your gift to them. You can become a Kingdom Builders partner with us. Uh, these Kingdom Builders forums are available at the Welcome Center and explain more about what that is and how you can participate. And then finally, you can stop by their table in the, the lobby afterwards and learn more from them personally about how you can participate with them. But this morning is a, a special day for us. The, their family likely has just a couple more weeks as they're waiting on their, their last few um, details and paperwork to come in before they can pack up and take off. So we want to take time this morning to celebrate their obedience to the Lord to be challenged by the message that God has given to Matt for us and to send them off as part of us going to do what God has called them to do. Will you please help me welcome Matt this morning? Am I on? If I'm on, say a loud amen. Yeah, all right. So good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for allowing me the chance to share, and what a privilege and uh, responsibility to open the Word with you guys this morning. Uh, first of all, I just want to say just how, um, how humbling and awesome it is to be at Christian Chapel this morning. We've actually uh, been here the last couple of weeks. Uh, um, we, we've been able to hear uh, Pastor Chris's sermon um, series this summer about uh, the inheritance and these stories that shape us, and I want to touch on those a, a little bit. But before I get started, first of all, I just want to address the elephant in the room. If you haven't seen me for a while, I now only wear skinny jeans. And so we'll just... <laughs> This is only going to go downhill from here, I think. But uh, no, we, <laughs> I'm telling you, there, we've been to about uh, over this past year of itineration as we've been raising our support uh, to get onto the field so we can go and proclaim Jesus in another nation. Uh, we've been in about every other church in the state of Oklahoma, it seems like, except Christian Chapel. Uh, but there is just nothing like coming back home. And as I look out and I see uh, folks that have poured into us and poured especially into our children's lives, I want to ask you this morning, if you've not done so already, to make sure you don't leave without grabbing one of our prayer cards. It's got a picture of our family and, and our kids' names on it. And, and I need especially 
Christian chapel prayer warriors praying for our family as we go. So please do that. That is a, a specific request. And, and also, if you haven't done so already, before you leave, sign up for our newsletter. We've got a couple of clipboards out on our table where you can give us your email address, and that'll be a great way to follow us along, uh, follow along with us as we go. And so um, I've met some crazy people um, in my lifetime, and I've met people who won't go watch a movie without Googling the spoiler alerts. Ridiculous, right? And I've met people who won't buy a book without reading the last chapter first to see if it's worthy to take home and read. And so why don't we just be stupid like that and, and go straight to the end of Scripture to start with this morning, shall we? So the book of Revelation, the back of your Bible, chapter 7, verse 9, gives us a glimpse. Like if, if John, as is, is he was getting this vision downloaded to him by the Holy Spirit on the island of Patmos, if he'd have had a smartphone, it'd have been a droid. It wouldn't have been an Apple product. This guy was close to Jesus, but he'd have whipped that thing out. It's like he just took a, a snapshot of this vision that the Holy Spirit gave him of eternity, and it's going to look like this when we get there. A multitude more than we'll be able to count from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language that we'll be standing shoulder to shoulder with just like we were this morning worshiping Jesus, except we'll be up there before the Lamb and around the throne with people with, from, from every nation on earth, every ethnicity, every skin color, every language known to man being, singing praises to the Lord right alongside us. But see, the problem is today, this very day and age we live in, there's over 6,000 unreached people groups. That's 6,000 groups of people that are segregated by, by uh, geographically or by language or by culture that haven't had a clear presentation of the gospel yet. And so if we're going to be a people who's praying every Sunday morning that we want to see um, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven someday, then we need to be about kingdom business and making sure that we're taking the gospel to the very ends of the earth. Amen. And to quote a, a guy named Dick Brogdon, one of the founders of the Live Dead movement, that to know and love God has the inescapable conclusion that we must love the nations and give our lives that every people group be represented in heaven. And so what I want to talk about this morning is responding in radical obedience to this call from Jesus. Responding in radical obedience as we follow Jesus to make sure that every nation on earth is represented in heaven for eternity. You know, this isn't a New Testament idea. We started in Revelation, but we'll get to Genesis here in just a moment. But throughout Scripture, this call, this idea, this mandate has been echoed throughout, throughout Scripture. So when Jesus says in, in Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, you know, to go and make disciples of all nations, that this wasn't some new idea Jesus introduced to us when he came in the flesh. But no, all of Scripture talks about this from the, from the life of Noah that we learned about a couple of weeks ago and the life of Abraham just last week as Pastor Chris shared from Genesis chapter 12. And we see how the Lord called Noah away from, from everything familiar to him, from his livelihood, his family, to go to a new land that the Lord would show him. 
to go there and make the God of Israel famous among the nations. And the Lord promised to bless Abraham if he would just simply obey, right? He would bless Abraham, not so Abraham could rest in his blessings. How many of us know that as, as Americans in our Western culture, how blessed we are, but we are, we are not blessed so we can sit here and rest in our blessings. We have the, see the same mandate that the Lord gave Abraham, that he would a, be a blessing to the nations. And if we are the spiritual sons and daughters of Abraham, then we have that same uh, objective to get, go and be a blessing to the whole world. Now, this same Abraham was radically obedient, wasn't he? Remember that story where he takes his son Isaac up to the top of the mountain to sacrifice his own son? And of course, the Lord holds his hand back and says, nope, that's, that's not your job. That's my job. I'll send my one and only son, but I don't demand human sacrifice like the gods of the nations. But Abraham was obedient. In fact, we see later in, in Scripture where, where Samuel tells Saul that to obey, in fact, is better than sacrifice. And as, as God talks about David being a man after its own heart, God says it's because David would do everything I told him to do. And it's this David, the psalmist, who wrote in Psalm 67 that may God bless us. Sounds familiar so that his ways may, may be known on earth and his salvation among all nations, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. So it's a specific response of obedience to make sure that the nations uh, hear about God's salvation. And when the Lord asked in the book of Isaiah, who will go and whom shall I send? It's Isaiah who, who raises his hand and says, here I am, Lord, send me right? And it's this Isaiah that the Lord tells in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, that it's, it's too small a thing for the house of Jacob, for you to restore the house of Jacob, for them to come back to me. But no, I'm going to also make you a light to the Gentiles, that my salvation would reach the very ends of the earth. And so this Old Testament scripture, time and time again, you'll see that in fact, the New Testament just echoes it. And even when Jesus speaks, like he speaks in Matthew 24, 14, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Then I'll come back. But until then, get busy about this mission John 3.16 is one we're all familiar with. You see, Jesus, uh, God didn't just so love Israel. He so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, right? God's heart has been, always will be for the nations to make sure they're represented for eternity. And, you know, the Lord has, has been patient because he's not willing that any should perish and he desires that everyone has the opportunity to come to repentance. And so that's what this message is about this morning. And I want to start in Luke chapter 5 this morning, um, looking at how Jesus uh, started to build his team of disciples. And, you know, it starts off with Jesus preaching on the shore of Galilee that morning to a multitude. 
And I reckon our ministry as we get onto the field won't look much like that. I don't see Rainy and I hosting mass crusades where we're, where we're just preaching the gospel to thousands of people over there, primarily because it's illegal to do that. Um, and, uh, and so our ministry will look more like stepping into the boats of our, of our dearest neighbors and closest friends that we make over there and pouring into their lives, pouring Jesus into them, and praying that the Holy Spirit will light a spark in their hearts, that they will then take and go and tell their friends and family, and the Holy Spirit will light a spark in them, and those disciples will then go and make more disciples as they tell their friends and family. And before you know it, there's a wildfire going in that nation for Jesus. And so as Jesus is there uh, in Luke chapter 5 preaching on the, on the seashore, boy, that almost sounded like a nursery rhyme, um, <laughs> Peter's out there fishing. He's been out there all night, actually, and he's actually put into shore. He's parked his boat on the shore, and he's cleaning his nets because he's had a miserable night fishing yet once again. From everything we see in Scripture, Peter's a lousy fisherman. Without Jesus especially, like he just, I don't know if he ever caught a fish. So, so Peter's cleaning his nets and Jesus steps into his boat and says, hey, put, put back out to sea and cast your net out again. And so Peter says, okay, if you say so, I'll do it. And, and Peter puts his net out and catches so many fish in his net that it begins to break and his boat begins to sink has to call his buddies, James and John, over with their boat to help him out, keep his boat from sinking. And it's at this point, Peter, seeing this miracle happen before his eyes, he's like, I've never caught this many fish in my life. This has got to be a miracle, right? And he falls on, at, at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. And Jesus responds, as we see in Luke 5, verse 10, 11. Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. And it's this moment where Jesus very clearly says to Simon Peter that I'm going to turn you from a fisherman to a fisher of men. And Peter's response is this. He pulled his boat up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So number one, if we're going to radically be obedient to Jesus, we've got to be willing to abandon everything. Luke chapter 14 is one of the most challenging uh, passages of Scripture. Really, anytime you see red letters in the Bible, uh, it, it's, it's, it's challenging, isn't it? Jesus says things that we think are, are pretty harsh until we recognize that this is God who came in the flesh to prove he's dead serious about making sure every nation, tribe, tongue is represented for eternity in heaven. And so Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, that unless you're willing to give up everything you have, you can't even call yourself a disciple. Please don't even call yourself a follower of Jesus unless you're willing to give up everything. Now, I understand in our Western culture, our American culture, we, we can uh, lose, lose track of, of, of really the, the practicality and the literal meaning of that scripture. But did you know there's, there's cultures even in present day where if you decide to follow Jesus, in fact, in the very nation we're going, if you decide you're going to follow Jesus, you're probably, you'll most definitely lose your job, your way of making a living, your livelihood. 
You'll most certainly lose your parents and your family. Maybe even your own spouse and children may, may pull away from you. You're giving up everything you have if you decide to follow Jesus. That's real commitment. That's radical response to the call of Jesus. But I think it's just as radical for us as Americans to consider what we need to do, what, what, what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, and what it would mean for us to actually pursue that. And I don't know, maybe, maybe like Randy and I, maybe God is calling you to give up your home and your, your, your car and your, your, your children's futures and just surrendering all of that to God. Maybe it's like my buddy Joel who left his, his, uh, his comfortable eight-to-five job for a career change that was so, so radically obedient but, but felt like it was the Lord's uh, ability to allow him to send folks to the ends of the earth with the gospel. So I believe whatever we're called to do, whether some of us are going or we're sending, but we better be about kingdom business and ready to abandon everything to accomplish what the Lord's called us to do. Number two, we need to move towards Jesus. I love how Peter just simply left everything and followed him as he began to follow Jesus. Uh, he literally probably just followed Jesus around every day hung around Jesus by night, by the campfire, and by day he's, he's watching Jesus just perform miracle after miracle after miracle and speaking to multitudes, teaching, and listening to Jesus as he would teach uh, more on an intimate basis with his disciples, taking careful notes of the things Jesus would teach him. In Matthew chapter 14 is the account where Peter himself is involved in one of these miracles that that he sees Peter, or Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. And Peter, anxious to join in, uh, responds to Jesus' command to come. And so Peter just gets out of the boat, walks on the water, and goes toward Jesus. We've got to go toward Jesus. Jesus is saying, come towards me. And so what does that look like? In a very practical way for us in this day and age, it's reading our Bible so if we're going to proclaim Jesus, if we're going to tell people about Jesus, we better make sure we know who Jesus is. And there's just simply no way. I, I grew up in church all my life, and I never opened my Bible until I was about 30 years old. I would come to church and feel like I, I was learning enough about Jesus that I needed to know. And I, I would say in the year 2022, more than ever, we need to be reading our Bible so that we know who Jesus is, not who the news media tells us Jesus is, or even social media, what we should believe about Jesus, or what any kind of media tells us about Jesus. The media we need to be reading is, is the scriptures. That's where we get a clear picture of who Jesus is so that we can share about him and share our testimony. So number three is share our testimony. And just like we need to know scripture and know Jesus, we need to know our testimony. And we don't, we don't just need, we need to know it so that we can share it. I, I'm a firm believer, I've experienced it myself, that I, I know that everyone in this room has a testimony of God's faithfulness. If you're alive and breathing today, and by golly, you're Americans, for, for goodness sake, you have a story of God's faithfulness. 
Maybe you're, you're, you, some of you may be in the middle of a testimony in the making, but you have a testimony that the world needs to hear that doesn't know Jesus so that they can come to faith in this Jesus. And it's interesting as we look at the life of Peter that we really wouldn't know much about Peter unless he shared his own testimony. Do you know that Peter is mostly responsible for what Mark wrote down because Peter told Mark what to write down? And his gospel was written first, and so then Matthew and Luke borrowed heavily from Mark as they wrote their gospel accounts. And so pretty much everything we know about Peter is from Peter. And Peter's got a messy testimony we'll see here. See, Peter's testimony begins about the time that the life of Jesus on earth comes to an end. Because on the night Jesus was betrayed, Jesus is sitting around the table with all his disciples. And he's telling all his disciples, every one of you is going to fall away this very night on account of me. But it's Peter who so brazenly speaks up and says, No, not me, Jesus. I'll never deny or disown you, even if I have to die with you. And moments later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they come to arrest Jesus, and Peter's there, and Peter has a sword and draws it and cuts the guy's ear off. And by the grace of God, he doesn't kill the guy. So we learn a couple things about Peter. One, he's about as lousy a swordsman as he is a fisherman. I rag on Peter pretty hard. I'm a lot like Peter, though. So, um, But the second thing we learn about Peter is that even though he is, in fact, willing to fight, maybe even kill for Jesus, he's not quite ready to lay his life down for Jesus. He's not quite ready to die for Jesus, is he? Now, some of you uh, may be familiar with my story, my testimony, and it's, if you've only been here a couple of years, I, I, please forgive me because you may recognize me only as the idiot who wore the gas mask to church during COVID. <laughs> but my testimony, my real testimony goes back further than that. About 16 years ago, I was attending church here as a young married adult, and I was really involved in, in the young married home group here and planted deep roots and established lifelong friendships um, with, with many of you. And, um, but we left, there, we left Christian Chapel about 16 years ago as my wife and I were chasing our careers that were beginning to take off, and we, we moved out of state. And I, a couple of years later, I came home from a business trip to a wife who, who confessed that she um, didn't want anything to do with me anymore and was pursuing another relationship. And it left me not just heartbroken, but completely devastated and questioning whether I even wanted to go on living. And in that moment, I was so broken and in such physical pain from the emotional pain, I cried out to God, God, if you're real, you better speak now before I end this thing. And he did. I got to just quickly say the rawest prayers I've ever prayed are the ones The Lord's been so prompt to respond to an answer. But he responded to me almost audibly, Matt, I still have plans for you. And indeed, over the, I I just took him at his word right there. And so as those hours turned into days and, and weeks and months, and I would cry out to God the rawest of prayers, I was reading my Bible for the first time. 
I was praying regularly for the first time, but my prayers weren't pretty. They were pretty ugly prayers. As I would scream at the ceiling in the middle of the night of God, how, how, what did I do to deserve this, right? But I was praying also, God, would you, would you send me a wife? Would you send me a wife that would love me more than anything and that would want to be a mom more than anything? And God, would you send me a family? I want to have children someday. And, and, uh, and I'll give you the spoiler alert, Randy, uh, I met Randy, um, you know, not too long after that. We got married and just started having kid after kid after <laughs> kid after kid. And I mean, Randy was pregnant the entire first five years of our marriage, I'm pretty sure. So um, it was awesome. And I, I tell you, it's just a story of God's faithfulness. And I believe we all have a story of God's faithfulness to share. Number four is this, though to remember your calling. Remember whatever it is that the Lord has called you to, right? So as, as, as we begin to respond in radical obedience, there will be times where we blow it, or we may have a past where we feel like we've just blown it. There's no way God can use us. I certainly felt that way, that there was no way God could use a broken person like me and use my messed up story. Can you imagine what Peter felt as he had huddled around that campfire on the night Jesus was betrayed. He huddled around the campfire to keep warm, watching the trial of Jesus, and cowered, just completely buckled under the weighty pressure of a couple of little young servant girls who questioned if he knew Jesus. <laughs> Denied him not once, not twice, but three times. That's Peter for you. This is the same Peter who... The Lord had given him the keys to the kingdom of heaven and changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock, and said, on you, Peter, I'm going to build my church. Yeah, that, that's the Peter who completely cowers out and denies he even knows Jesus. But we pick up in John 21, because if, if you remember the, the ladies uh, on that first Sunday after Jesus raised from the dead, the ladies go and find the empty tomb, save for a couple of of angels who were there to direct the ladies to say, hey, go tell the rest of the disciples that Jesus has gone ahead of them to Galilee to, to meet him there. And so we'll pick up in John 21 where it's like a replay of Luke chapter 5 all over again. Now, in this case, Peter hasn't been radically obedient. He's been somewhat obedient because he's out on the Sea of Galilee, but he's fishing for fish. And he's been out there all night and hadn't caught a thing. Because Peter's a pretty lousy fisherman without Jesus. Did I say that already? And there's a, a voice that calls from shore who says, Hey, guys, put your net out on the other side of the boat. And so they do. They obey. And they put their net out. And all of a sudden, their net is full of fish. But this time, the net doesn't break. But there's so many fish that Peter recognizes immediately. It must have been the voice of Jesus calling from shore. Peter jumps out of his boat and swims to shore, expecting to see Jesus. And when he gets to shore, he, he sees, in fact, Jesus there with a fire going. Kind of interesting that, that, that Jesus greets Peter with a campfire, the same kind that Peter went to warm up around when he denied he knew Jesus. Jesus greets him and has this to say to Peter. Hey, bring some of the fish you've just caught which is a pretty alarming and interesting thing for Jesus to say to a man who he'd clearly called to be a fisher of men, not of fish, isn't it? 
And I reckon that might be a statement Jesus has for all of us today. Hey, I'm glad you're coming to heaven, but who are you bringing with you? Bring me some of the fish you've, you've caught up in your net. It completely goes over Simon's head, and he climbs back into the boat and drags his net ashore, and it was full of fish, about 153. You read your Bible, any version, you'll read 153 fish. That's pretty specific. Not 150 or 170, 153, a nice round number. Now, some scholars suggest that there, there might be, uh, might have been 153 different species of fish within the Sea of Galilee. What's the significance of that? What's well, Jesus likely hearkening back, reminding Peter of his call to be a light to the Gentiles, to be a light to the nations. I've called you to fish for people, not be out there fishing in the ocean. You're out. I've called you to be a fisher of men, Peter. Uh, just before Randy and I moved back to Oklahoma <laughs> is when the Lord really called me into ministry. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I had no idea what the Lord was doing and what to do with this, this, uh, this fire in my belly, right? And this compassion to, to just share my faith with others. And I was, every outlet of ministry I could find, I was just pouring my heart and soul into. But I had taken a step of obedience as well and started working on my ministerial credentials. And um, that was a, a very long process as I continued to work, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. And, and, uh, but I, as I had completed enough courses to apply uh, for my credentials, I remember the application having one little checkbox on it. Have you ever been previously married? And I knew as I checked that box that that might be the Lord shutting that door. After pouring all that, that time and effort into it, I checked that box and I, I received an onslaught of, of mail and, and email attachments of forms that would need to be completed and questionnaires that I'd have to send to my pastors and, and my children's pastors and my closest friends who have known me for the last 20 years. It was a painful process. And honestly, I wanted to quit if Franny hadn't been right by my side, encouraging me that, no, the Lord has called you, Matt. Don't be discouraged. And the Lord reminding me, Matt, I still have plans for you in that moment. See, I, I had heard that from the Lord before, but I, I looked, uh, I remember sitting in church that morning, and as the Lord said, Matt, I still have plans for you. I was so discouraged, yet I looked down the aisle at my children my wife standing next to me and my four baby girls, and the Lord saying, I still have plans for you. I have plans for you more than you could ever ask for or imagine. Stay after it, Matt. Remember your calling. And so it was a painful process, and, but I, I want to just share with you, especially over these last couple years, that time and time again, we've seen where we felt like the, the Lord uh, or the enemy was just slamming a door shut on us. The door was closing. The Lord would just make a way. He would just open the door wide open. So that's number five, is trust that the Lord will make a way. Trust that he is for you and he's not against you. And that he will equip you. He equips he equips us. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. See, who was Peter when he called Peter? He was just a, a lousy fisherman, a lousy one, right? 
and calls Peter, equips Peter to build his church on Peter. And see, Jesus doesn't do this. He doesn't expect us to do this alone. He doesn't call us to be uh, fishers of men on our own, to go and make disciples on our own, because he recognizes we, like Peter, are lousy fishermen without him. We're not going to snaggle too... Is that a word, snaggle? We're not going to snag too many fish in our nets without the Holy Spirit. So Acts 1.8, the Lord sends the promised Holy Spirit. See, this wasn't the first time that the disciples had heard about this Holy Spirit either. But Jesus just clarifies in Acts 1.8 of exactly why they're going to need the Holy Spirit. They're going to need this power of the Holy Spirit in order to be witnesses. See, in a couple of verses later, in verse 11, they're staring up at the sky watching Jesus ascend into heaven. And the angels kind of bark back at him like, Men of Galilee, what are you doing standing here? Get busy obeying what Jesus told you to do. You know what I think they were thinking? They're like, they're probably telling them, Yeah, but did you, he just told us to go back to Jerusalem. We're from Galilee. We're not from Jerusalem. If we go back there, they'll probably kill us just like they did Jesus. But see, Jesus said, I'm going to give you power. You're going to need this power if you're going to go back to Jerusalem. You're going to need the power to have the courage to be my witnesses in the city where they just crucified me. And if you survive there, they're going to run you out of town. When they run you out of town, then go from there to Samaria. You know, the very town where we as Jews can't pass through because we're such bitter enemies. Go there and be my witnesses And when they run you out of town, keep going to the next town and the next town and the next town and the next until you reach the very ends of the earth. But go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then (laughs) we see a different different Peter in the book of Acts than we see in the gospel accounts. We see a Peter who is courageously and boldly proclaiming the gospel. So that's number six, that we would courageously and boldly proclaim our testimony about Jesus. See, Peter's there on the day of Pentecost. Peter's the one who stands up and testifies, proclaims this is exactly what the prophet Joel prophesied about. This is it. And then in, by the time we get to Acts chapter 3, Peter's healing a guy who's been crippled his entire life. He's 40 years old, never walked a day in his life. Every day his friends come and set him out in front of the temple courts to beg for money. And this particular day, Peter walks by him. Now, fill, I would imagine this is a guy that Peter himself probably walked by over the last few years many times. But this particular day, because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, says, hey, money and silver I don't have, but what I do have I give you. Get up and walk in Jesus' name. The guy starts getting up and proclaiming he's healed in the name of Jesus, and it gets him in awfully hot water with these religious leaders at the temple. These are the same people who just sentenced Jesus to death a few weeks ago. (laughs) And by the time we get to Acts 4, verse 8, Peter's waking up from a night in prison facing questioning in front of these very religious leaders. And he's filled with the Spirit, begins testifying and proclaiming about Jesus. And in Acts 4.13, these religious leaders have taken note. They've taken note of the courage of Peter and of his buddy John and realized that they were just unschooled, ordinary people like you and me, but took note that they'd been with Jesus. 
Over the next few verses, we read how these religious leaders threaten and command and warn Peter and John, don't you ever speak of the name of Jesus again. Do you know where we're going and where most of the unreached people groups on earth are left? It is illegal to proclaim the gospel. We'll be threatened, commanded, and warned to not open our mouths and proclaim about Jesus. But I love Peter's response in verse 19 and 20 of Acts chapter 4. They reply, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him, you be the judges. But as for us, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. So Christian Chapel, may we be a body of believers that cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. May we be so full of the Holy Spirit that we have a courage and a boldness that we can't help but open our mouth. And when we open our mouth, we're, we're sharing our testimony, that we haven't just responded in radical obedience to abandon everything, but we're responding radically to open our mouth even when it's awkward, even when it feels uncomfortable, even when it's terrifying and scary to do that. That we can't help speaking and sharing our testimony. We can't help speaking and sharing what we've read in the scriptures about Jesus. If you want to close your eyes, and I want to just give us a, a moment to respond to what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you this morning. I trust that the Holy Spirit is speaking to every heart. I believe he speaks to every heart on the planet, every soul on the planet. He's speaking trying to get through, and I, I wonder what he's sharing with you this morning. What does it mean for you to abandon everything in radical obedience for, to the Lord? What does it mean to respond to that call to the nations? And I want to I give opportunity this morning, if there's anyone here who, who is not following Jesus, I want to read this from Acts chapter 3. Peter says this to the very people the very religious leaders who had sentenced Jesus to death, he tells them, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And certainly if the Lord is eager and willing to forgive those folks who crucified him, he is absolutely eager and willing and waiting to forgive you. All we simply need to do is repent then and turn to him and follow him. Is there anyone here this morning that needs to decide to follow Jesus, that is not, has never followed Jesus and needs to give their life to Jesus this morning? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anyone here? And I want to invite you in a few moments. Uh, Pastor Chris is going to invite you to, to go in the prayer room if you need prayer for any reason, but especially this morning if that's you, that you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to make a decision to follow him, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. There'll be a, a team of, of folks that would love to pray with you, lead you to Jesus, Jesus, and start you down that path of following him. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Chris at this time. Christian Chapel, thank you again for sending us, for praying for us, for loving our family, pouring into us. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Ask Matt. Okay. Hang out with me.
Randy, if you'll come up with us, Matt, hang out. We want to, as Matt and Randy's home church, we want to be part of sending them off. And so we're going to follow kind of the scriptural model we see. We're going to lay our hands on them. We're going to pray for them. Pastor Amy is bringing all of our chapel kids back in so they can participate in this with us, with Matt and Randy and their four girls who are coming in with the crew as well. We're 50% of the way there. 75, yeah, come on over here. That's all right. Do we have Marin? We're missing, it's the second born, so, you know. I'm a second born, it's okay. She'll turn out. Just turn up. We stand with me and join me in a prayer for Matt and Randy. We invited our, our pastors and Angie to join us in this as well. Uh, we don't really just see this as kind of a, a obligatory or um, just a, a little ritual that we need to go through. But we believe the scriptures model this idea. Hi, Maren. Welcome. So if you haven't met uh, Matt and Randy's girls, we have Kinley, Maren, and Brenna, and Ashlyn. There you go. The name tag helped me, Brenda. <laughs> I know, I've mixed you guys up for years, but I nailed it today. So, all right. Uh, but we believe there, there is real power in a local church sending out their members with their blessing, uh, with their protection, and with their provision. Through our Kingdom Builders, we have partnered with Matt and Randy to be part of supporting what God has called them to do. Uh, I know many of you are joining with us and praying for them regularly throughout this uh, process they've been in over the last year and a half or so. And now as they launch out, prepare to take off for uh, you know three to four years for that, that first commitment, uh, we're sending them with our prayers, we're sending them with the Spirit, and we are agreeing that we will continue to partner with them. So we join me in a, a commissioning prayer for Matt and Randy and the girls. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who sees us and knows us. You're the God who loves us and has a plan for us. We thank you for Matt and Randy and their, their model of obedience for all of us. We thank you, Lord, that even as Matt has spoken to us this morning, it's reminded us that you always have a plan for us. You always have a place for us. God, you always have a, a purpose for each day, for every talent and gift and ability that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you for the reminder we have heard that when the enemy comes and tries to steal and kill and destroy, that you come and restore life and life to the full. And now, Jesus, we pray as Matt and Randy and Kinley and Marin and Ashlyn and Brenna step out into this new adventure. We ask, Lord, that your spirit would go before them, that you would open doors that no one can shut. We believe, Lord, that there are already men and women, there are teenagers, there are children who you are preparing their hearts as fertile soil to receive the gospel. We believe there are going to be neighbors and shopkeepers. There are going to be classmates and coworkers. There are going to be people all over this new city, Lord. 
who are going to have relationships with Matt and Randy, who are going to build friendships with the girls, and your Holy Spirit is going to work through those to establish your kingdom and to draw them into their true identity as your sons and your daughters. So Lord, we thank you for the privilege that Matt and Randy have. We thank you for the privilege that the girls will have of being the ones who get to put language to the longings and the hearts of men and women. Lord, we thank you that they get to help others discover their truest and most fulfilling identity in life. Lord, we thank you that your spirit will empower their words and their actions. We thank you that you will give them gifts of faith, Lord, that you will give them the ability to see creative avenues to proclaim the gospel and to speak to the real heart needs of everyone that they encounter. Now, Lord, as their local church, as their friends and their family, we send them out full of the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray your protection and your provision over them. We believe that you have gone before them, that you will surround them. We pray your blessing over their marriage. We pray your blessing over their family. We ask that you would bless their health and their finances. We believe, Lord, that no weapon formed against them will prosper, but that they will see the goodness of God in all that they put their hands to. Lord, we ask that your spirit will flow deeply inside of them, bringing out your gifts and your fruit. We pray that their experiences of your grace and mercy will be new every morning. We pray each day, Lord, when it's hard and when it's enjoyable, that they will know they are exactly where you have called them to be, doing exactly what you have called them to do. So now, Lord, we send them out full of faith with a firm conviction that this is your path and your plan. We don't send them out apart from us, Lord, but we send them out from among us as our brother and our sister. Lord, going to be part of what you're doing to establish your kingdom among people who do not know you. We pray, Lord, that you will bless them, you'll keep them, you'll make your face shine on them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm proud of you guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.